And I do this with our female colleagues and, and leaders is that as you're going up the ladder, you make sure you're pulling someone up right behind you. Like you, it's not just you leaving everybody behind. It's, it's, so as part of a, a, a manager for a team, you need to make sure that you're giving back positive, you know, constructive criticism for sure. But you need to make sure that you're saying, hey, you did a great job right there. All right. Hey, fellow marketers, welcome to another episode of the Marketing Careers Podcast presented by themarketinghelp.co. A big thank you to our recent TMH community members that have joined along with our new TMH Plus mentorship members. Welcome, everyone. Now, these are marketers that have taken the, the, the huge step in managing their marketing careers this year. And you can join them or learn more about what they just signed up for by going to themarketinghelp.co forward slash membership. Check it out. Um, good stuff to help you manage your career there. Okay, so that opening clip you heard was from our episode guest, and, and that was Jennifer Hitchens, and she is the VP of Digital Experience and UX at Barclays. Now, Jen gave you some great tips already on how to be an effective marketing manager, uh, but in this episode, we're going deeper, and Jen's going to share some more insights on the importance of things like diplomacy, proactivity, uh, mentors and advocates, and how they are relevant to every marketing career. Plus, she's going to give some advice for anyone seeking to navigate marketing roles in a regulated industry like finance, has some great tips there, and how to advance your role inside an organization. And it really is easier than you think. And she's got some great tips on that. So let's get right into it. Here's my conversation with Jen Hitchens from Barclays. To the episode. Thank you. Thanks, Eric. Thanks for having me. Sure. So as we know, this is a Career Moments episode where we like to really learn from those marketers and, and listen to your career path, listen to your experiences, and just help educate, inspire, influence all the marketers out there that are looking to advance their careers. So let's start just by maybe getting a sense for, in a couple sentences, tell us what you do uh, in your role at Barclays. Sure. So I'm a digital product manager at Barclays and I oversee in our product office um, department um, within the digital product team. Um, I oversee uh, mobile app registrations and mobile app education and awareness to all of our customers. I oversee a lot of the UX research um, that we uh, that we kind of entail when we're building out new um, capabilities, new products, um, we're improving existing capabilities. So um, part of what I do and my growing team is to do some UX research on, um, you know, those designs, those prototypes and things of that nature. And then I also dabble a lot in analytics and what is that analytics telling us from the perspective of what is data telling us about what our consumers are doing and where do we see red flags where do we see opportunities to enhance education to our customers? Um, so I kind of wear three different hats in my role as a digital product manager. Nice. <laughs> so. and, and, and your team is how big? How many folks do you have on your team? Um, my direct team under my current supervisor, we have about 20 people, but we're wow. looking to grow to about 30. Okay. And then um, overall in the product office, we have, I think, about 70 now, and we're looking to grow into about 100 and, in 2022. And, and something we'll talk about after the break, but I'm just curious, is it is is Barclays adopting a fully remote situation or are you hybrid? We're hybrid. Um, okay. It depends. Every case is a little different, but we do try and go in the office around two to three days a week. My commute's a little longer than others, so I, I tend to kind of lean on that. And I, 
um, you know, and, and they're very, it's a really great environment where they're very flexible. So um, when you find that unique opportunity to be flexible, you know, that it makes for a really great workplace. So I go in maybe one day a week. Okay. Now let's, let's unpack your, your career path here. So when I look at, you know, your LinkedIn profile, I see you were a um, uh, English, English and art history major. And then yeah. you started this path in advertising, started with uh, account executive role at an agency. So was it you wanted to be in marketing since college or you you had inspiration to uh, direct you into a path to an agency? Yeah, it's a, it's a really funny question. So I, when I was at school at Lafayette, um, at first I was an uh, environmental geology major and that didn't go well at all. Um, <laughs> I quickly realized that chemistry and science and math were not my forte. And my dad always reflects when we talk about my career, he reflects on when we had a conversation uh, and my grades were terrible in those, those classes, but my grades in English and our history and other classes um, in the liberal arts areas were doing great. And he said to me, he said, honey, I think your grades are telling you something. <laughs> and I was so narrowly focused on just how I was failing I said, what? Because <laughs> I didn't, he's like, honey, you, you should be going into writing and, and English and art. And I was like, oh, so pivoted in college. Um, and I think English and art really kind of, um, I enjoyed those things. And I had no idea what I was going to be going into once I graduated. And in fact, that was a concern also of my dad's like, what are you going to do when you get out of, <laughs> you get out of college? Um but I felt like copywriting. I knew I could write. I knew I had certain skills. I knew I was really good at multitasking. I had little brothers and sisters. And I just like I just knew that I could do. I liked fast paced work. And I just had this vision of working at an agency. So um, I lived right near Philadelphia and applied to two agencies and, and took the one job and started from the ground up, started as the assistant to the creative director and just learned my way into the business. And I actually stayed there for 15 years, which is pretty unique, uh, especially yes. now. Yes. Yeah. Especially in agency world uh, for that length. Of, I mean, it does happen, but for it to happen, uh, there's got to be a reason for it, which I'll have have some questions for you about that later. But yeah. when, you're, when you're in that agency for that long, at what point did you say to yourself, hey, maybe I should try client side? Um, so I, I kind of just said, well, I, I went then from the agency to um, a, a website. So I moved on to from the agency to the website, um, the dot com that I worked for. And I was really interested. And that's when kind of social media marketing was flourishing. Um, and with my web design background, um, it really kind of made sense. So I then kind of leapfrogged from um, doing digital advertising and online advertising, which I basically built up that team within the ad agency. Um, I just kind of felt like it was a nice stepping stone into social media marketing, um, given some of my technical and creative background. So I did that after I um, moved on to the dot-com. And then after that, I moved into kind of the the, the finance industry. So, so the, the, um, at the first agency you worked for, it sounds like that's where you became a manager of people for the first time. Yeah, yeah, yep. Yeah, so I learned a lot. Um, and I feel like in looking back, um, I really felt like I would be willing and able to do anything. And I think that that's one of the key assets that folks should understand is that mm -hmm. when you're starting from the ground up and you're just a recent college grad, you should be embracing 
you know, I feel like you should, that's what I did. I embraced the ability to help in any and all areas. So if they needed someone to take on account management, I became an account manager. So I, I went from assisting the creative director and learning a lot about RFPs and pitches and how do you come, you, you work with your graphic designers and how you bring them all together. Um, and you bring those visual de- designs together and you create presentations that really wow, you know, your, your, um, your customers or your clients. Um, but then, you know, things changed and I was eager to actually manage clients. So then I pivoted in the agency and started handling um, accounts myself because there was a huge volume for it. Um, but I still had that background, that creative background. Um, and then from there, you know, I kind of just helped out in every way, shape, you know, and form. And I think that that's a really key part for a new grad is that don't be afraid to get in the trenches, to raise your hand and say, I'll do that. And don't be afraid to also toot your own horn as well. Like Mm. that's one thing that I kind of learned over the years is that no one's going to kind of like, you know, raise your praises and like put you in the spotlight if you don't try and help and facilitate that yourself. Um, That was something I definitely learned and um, at the agency. And I, I took that with me, you know, in my, uh, in my other roles as well. Um, but there's a balance there too, right? Sure. Like you can't, you can't be too boastful because I've worked with people like that too, where you're like, okay, like I know you're taking credit for that project, but you didn't do that whole project yourself. There's a whole team underneath of you. Um, so, and I've learned that lesson too, um, as you move up the ranks you know, you are as good as your, your team and you need to make sure that your team shines and you encourage your team to grow. So, um, so yeah, so that's kind of like where I, I not, don't be afraid to jump around and do different things is kind of the takeaway there. And when you, when you were taking on those new responsibilities proactively, because you wanted to learn as much as possible at some point, somebody said, Hey, would you mind, uh, I'm assuming, would you mind if we had someone report to you? And the moment that you had that first direct report, we had to do your first annual review. You had to actually give, you know, constructive feedback. What was that like for you? And, and for anyone out there who's about to become their first marketing manager, what's the tip to them when it comes to, you know, basically inheriting or 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 hiring that mm-hmm. first direct report? I think what I decided when I when they told me I'd have two in the beginning it was two. I think it grew to three. It was a small team. Um, when I knew I was having direct reports, <clears throat> excuse me, um I was nervous for sure. You know, mm-hmm. I was I was used to being um what they call now an individual contributor. Um yep. and so I but I sat down and I thought to myself, okay, what do I enjoy about some of the managers I've had? And mentorship, um treating the people treating your direct reports as if how you would like to be treated yourself, um, being clear in communication, being clear on outcomes that you want as well. I've had terrible managers where you are guessing what they want. And I, I get very frustrated in that. I'm a very direct person. I like to direct people. So I think the clearest communication you have and then frequent touch points. So to make sure that they are on the same page as you and that they're not, you're not missing expectations. Um, and a, one thing I can always recommend, and I still do this today is have weekly one-on-ones mm-hmm. where it's just you and the other person. And you sit down for half an hour and you go over things that they're working on, um, answer any questions. And that's, I get, 
building a rapport is also really important. Um, I think you need to get to know the people on your team. Um, it can't be kind of like a, I'm up here, you're down there kind of a mentality that doesn't work. I, at least I find it doesn't work. Um, so I think that that's, you know, that's what I would recommend is, is open communication and treat them like you'd like to be treated and, and look to managers and or mentors that um, had a positive influence in your life and, and write, literally write down what you liked about that person and then try to emulate that and take that with you. Great advice. And, and documenting it does help to crystallize it so that it becomes, you know, something that you actually act on and do. So uh, agency, like you said, it led you to take an opportunity at a website where you were focusing on social media. And with social media, it sounds like it was a natural progression from the design things you were doing. And it was a burgeoning uh, discipline at the time, too. So uh, that lasted for, for a bit of time. And then did you wake up one day and say, hey, you know what? I want to jump client side to uh, finance. Uh, no. Or was it the opportunity <laughs> that led you into Barclays at that point? It was definitely the opportunity. Um, I was contacted by a recruiter. Um, I don't even know if I had heard of Barclays at that time. Um, and they said, we have this opportunity for you to be a digital community manager um, for a credit card product. And I, A, didn't know what a digital community manager was. Um, and, you know, a credit card. I was like, okay, I didn't even know Barclays had credit cards. So I was very naive, Um in, in that kind of conversation with the recruiter. But then I did my due diligence. I did my homework. I, I looked around. I, I researched people. Um, and then I understood. And so I thought, well, this makes sense. It's it could, Because for me, the opportunity represented something to manage that sat outside of the constraints of the social media networks. Um, it was something that we were building an online community from the ground up. It was an owned asset. It was a digital asset the bank owned. Um, it wasn't where you had to play in the sandboxes of Facebook and Twitter. Nice. Instagram wasn't even a thing back then. Um, and so um, I thought that that would provide a really interesting ability. And this harkens back to when I went back to school and got a certificate in website design at the Moore College of Art. Um, mm -hmm. So I, I knew I could do digital design. I knew I knew my way around HTML and, you know, CSS and the basics. Um, so I thought, what the heck, you know, I'll just take a risk and, and try it. And even though the commute was over an hour, um, you know, the interviews I had with the people um, really seemed to, it actually reminded me of my days back at um, the ad agency, um, the people I interviewed with and the camaraderie that it looked like they all had. And that really perked my ears up. And, and so I, I decided to take the leap to finance. <laughs> so, so it's almost the opportunity opened your eyes. And then the, the further you went along in the process, you realized, hey, you know what? Uh, on paper, it seems like something that'd be very uh, stodgy and very boring. But hey, once you get inside, it's almost like there's an agency inside of this corporation. Yeah. And when you, when you think about finance, you know, the category you know, heavy regulation, but you said the things you were doing were, were kind of outside of that because it was your own community that you were creating. Mm -hmm. As you developed your career at Barclays, uh, did you start to get impacted by more of that regulation? And and how did that how that feel to be a marketer where you had to have these um, processes and protocols in place in, in order to do something you feel would be uh, would have to be more creative? Yeah, it's that's a great question and insight for sure. Um, and I don't, I don't think I went into that position realizing how much regulation 
was going to happen once I got in there. Um, but we had a great leader who was overseeing the project and he kind of um, worked within the constraints and kind of created gates for us to kind of walk through. So he facilitated um, wider paths than normal um, mm -hmm. than would have. So I think leadership was really important there. Um, and then from a regulation standpoint, what I learned quickly was to um, embrace and um, build rapport with the people in legal compliance. So don't just spring new stuff on them because traditionally people in those fields don't like new stuff that seems scary, right. um, especially from an online reputation standpoint, um, especially dealing with customers. You know, these are your our customers you're talking to. Where's the control? There's a lot of risk. So um, I learned quickly to um, work with them from the start. So getting them in a table review, bouncing ideas off of them, and working very, in fact, collaboratively with them, it really helped because then they almost became an advocate for what you were doing. And they would defend like, oh, well, no, Jen's just trying to do this, you know, like they would represent you in rooms that you weren't in and conversations that you weren't around to have. So my recommendation, if anybody's interested in going into marketing in a financial field or in a highly regulated field, you know, get in there and become friends. You know, you just kind of embrace some of the guardrails that you have to ride in, because if you keep bumping up into the guardrails, you can drive yourself crazy. So um, you got to kind of learn to swim in your swim lane, but know when you can go faster or slower or when you can, you know, take the off ramp. Rooted in building those relationships with those individuals. Yes, absolutely. Nice. Okay. Yep. So, I mean, Barclays for you, it's been, you know, I think 10 year uh, tenure there in, in the role. On Sunday. Wow. Congratulations. <laughs> um, now, and you mentioned this earlier with the other agency positions. So when you think about, um, tenure in a marketing context, in a marketing position for two, three, four, six, eight years, uh, like, you know, unheard of most of the time today. Still happens, still happens. But what's been your observation in terms of what kept you at these organizations for these stretches of time? Uh, was it a mindset? Was it opportunity? Was it, what was it? Because I like our audience to know that you know, going two years, going somewhere for two years and then leaving. Sure. There's a reason for that, but what, what are we missing by not thinking about, you know, maximizing our time at, at companies for mm -hmm. these, these long tenures? Yeah. And I think I've kind of looked back on my career and asked myself that too, like, you know, why did you stay for 15 years? You know? Um, and I think what I, what I always come back to is, being curious and not being afraid to, you know, move around in the company. Like there's so many, like, especially at larger organizations, there's so much movement you can have within a company where you learn different things. Um, you have different managers and you just explore what interests you. And if you are in an environment where that's possible, the fact that you know who to go to for certain things and you have a, you build basically a network inside the organization that's really key that's key to getting stuff done that's key to make you know having your own goals accomplished and when you bounce around a lot i feel like you miss out on or at least i feel like i would have missed out on building a reputation inside the organization 
Um, whereas at Barclays, a couple of years ago, I was chosen for a women's leadership program. Um, two years ago, I was chosen for what we called sort of our, um, it was called the future is now think tank kind of a project. And I don't think that I would have gotten those opportunities had I just bounced around from company to company. And I think mm -hmm. that the, the longer you stay, I think it is a mindset in the sense of I'm going to give to the community, to the company, but I'm the company is also going to give back to me. And I think that that's something that is missed sometimes if you do just kind of spend two years here, two years there. It, and, you know, everybody's different. All roles are different. But for me, it, make, it makes sense. And I feel like I enjoy having a network inside a larger organization where I'm a kind of a go-to person. Like, oh, you know, how do we get this done? Oh, we'll go talk to this person and this person and this person. And you, you kind of act as that facilitator and, and connector. Um, and I, I enjoy playing that role. It, it makes me kind of feel like I'm contributing to the, the greater good, I guess. So it's kind of uh, what I yep. feel like. Great points. Because if you think about your, your career, you could almost say that every so many years, it was almost an evolution in the company that yeah. it was almost like working for a new company. So it's, yeah. I know my experience working seven years at, at one company, every two years, it was like working for a different company. Acquisition yeah. happened, new opportunities, uh, new client comes on board. It completely changes the team dynamics. So that's what keeps it fresh. But I think yeah. most, you know, there are some marketers that just bail the moment that something becomes different or change or what have you. Yeah. I'm generalizing, but I think that's what we've been seeing. Uh, but good tips there on how to maximize that internal network. Um, yeah. How big of a role do you think uh, managers or leadership plays in having you, you know, find these new opportunities uh, in the same company? Huge. Um, and, and these are things that within the organization, they try to um, instill in all of the colleagues in the sense that um, there's a lot of um, workshops or series or people they even bring in that act as kind of career consultants which is a really great opportunity. Your manager is important um, because they are they're they're the they are representing you in those rooms with the higher level ups and talking about you in ways. And you want to make sure that you your manager knows you and knows exactly what you're doing, so that they can talk in an, in in a very positive way about you, which then gets you into other rooms that you might not have been into. So I think having a good manager is really important. Um, sometimes you don't always have a good manager and you have to kind of figure out how do I make this opportunity work for me or how do I look for other opportunities so I can get out from underneath this terrible manager? You know, there's, there's, I've, I've mentored people within the organization and that, that actually has happened a few times, but sometimes you can control things and sometimes you can't. And I'm one of those people who's like, you know, always look on the bright side. So, you know, I try to, um, make the best of it and then, you know, pivot if you need to. Right. But another part that I think is essential in, in, um, for a younger person coming up into, um, in a marketing role is the, is a mentor and a mentor is someone who's outside of your management, even outside of your team, your department, your, even your, your, um, business. And it's someone that you can go to and ask career advice I'm having a hard time working with this person. I don't know how to attack this project or I'm having this inferior complex where I don't think I can do it. I need a pep talk kind of a thing. I think mentors are huge for early on in your career and always seek them out. 
Um, I've I've sought out mentors in inside the organization and outside the organization, um, female mentors, um, male mentors, um, and those are also very important. And there's a fine distinction between manager, mentor, and advocate. And I really want to make sure that the younger marketers understand the difference between a mentor and an advocate. You need to find an advocate in the business, in your group, within your team, who is a senior level person who you can kind of go to and they will advocate for you in positions where they're sitting around a table and they want to start up a project and they're looking around at each other saying, well, who can do that? The advocate is in that room and saying, oh, Jen Hitchens could do that. I know that because she told me she did this and her manager also mentioned that to me and she did a great job in this presentation and I think she could do it. That's an advocate. Everybody needs an advocate and a mentor. That's my, I, I firmly believe that. And I've learned that over the years. Again, hundred percent backing from us. Cause we're huge believers in the same thing. Yeah. Uh, you know, we talk about our career council that every marketer should have a career council that should have a mentor on it. It could be friends, could be former colleagues, but we also agree that the advocate inside the organization, huge. Mm-hmm. Um, the mentor outside the organization is huge for all those reasons where you get the unfiltered push, uh, advice, nudge, uh, challenge, whatever mm-hmm. you want to call it, but uh, super critical because you know sometimes those mentors are telling you to hey go find the advocate inside your team uh, so that they can speak about you in the room uh, when you're not there. Love yeah. it. Yep. Uh, so so that kind of leads into my next question, which would be when you think about all the things, think about from the moment your father told you to change your your major. All the way up to now, um, you know, being a source of uh, leadership inside of Barclays, you know, go back. If you could talk to yourself way back when, uh, when you started your career, what advice would you give yourself? Gosh, I I could go on and on. No, (laughs) (laughs) I I would give myself the advice to not be afraid, not be afraid of failure and not be afraid to try something that seems scary. Like I, that's my personality. Um, And I think a lot of women tend to struggle with this in the sense of you have this inferior complex where you doubt yourself, um, you doubt your capabilities. I mean, I've participated in workshops where they say, you know, men will come in and apply for a job that they, they have three of the 10 skills that they're looking for and they'll just like walk their way through it but a woman would make sure she has nine of the 10 skills. And what I'm trying to say is to myself, I would say, don't be afraid to take that risk or don't be afraid to raise your hand and volunteer for things or say, no, I'm going for that opportunity. I'm going for that promotion. I'm going for that new role. And when you're in it, don't doubt yourself. Doubt was always something for me that I needed to to probably squash early on in my career and not be afraid to speak in front of a crowd or to take that presentation on, or when someone says, can you run with this? Don't look at them like hesitantly and be like, I I don't know, you know, have confidence in yourself um, because that, that exudes confidence. And then people will then um, see that and recognize that you, you are not someone who's like a shrinking violet, that you're someone who can command a room You know, you can talk to people at, you know, five levels up above you. You can pitch a new account and get it. Um, So I think that believing in yourself and not being so nervous that you look 
the other way when opportunities facing you is, is, is a huge thing that I probably would have told myself, you know, yeah. Right. And I love to bring that up because uh, you kind of hit to something that everyone deals with or is very common theme that I hear, which is imposter syndrome, where Mm -hmm. that that doubt does creep in to keep you from getting outside your comfort zone, which we all know that's where those opportunities happen when you just sometimes it just takes that one time to just say yes when you're you're thinking no, but you say yes. And you're like, oh, crap, what I just say. Right. Next thing you know, you do the presentation or you take on the project. And then after you look back and say, what was I, what was I worried about? What was exactly. the big deal? Exactly. Uh, great tips, great advice. So last question before we hit the break is when you think about, again, the, the entirety of your career to date, the most impactful career moment for you is what? Oh, geez. Um, I guess the most impactful career moment for me um was when I moved on from my digital community role, which I had done for about seven years at Barclays. I was um, the di- vice, president, vice president of digital community. Stand, we stood up three different online communities. So what I was originally hired for, we basically tripled in size. And, and one of them was an internal community for our colleagues. Um, and we had uh, the then CEO, the the head, the head of the head or whatever mm-hmm. um, at Barclays wanted to create um, some innovative kind of think tank. Um, we called them sprints, but, um, and they tapped me, myself and probably 65 other colleagues on the shoulder to participate in these kind of think tank sprints about how we could evolve the organization. And I remember thinking, I don't know. Like that, this seems too like it's very vague. What are we going to be doing? Like I, I just I, I didn't understand where it was going. Um, but I'm glad that I took that opportunity because I got to work with um, a lot of really great colleagues and also a lot of really great external agencies. I got to work with IBM and EMC and all of these other. Um, Real EY, like I got to work with a lot of the consultants that they brought in to help with this. And I learned so much from them about how to approach a project, how to do, you know, journey mapping, how to, it was user experience. So that's where I kind of piqued my interest in what I'm doing today. If I hadn't taken that opportunity, which was a very nebulous kind of thing, like here, you guys are going to go in these rooms and just think of good ideas. Like I was like, that (laughs) sounds crazy to me. Um, but we did and, and, and learning from the consultants actually was, it was a really wonderful and eye-opening, um, opportunity where I took, I took things that I learned with them into, you know, the organization and how I worked. So had I not taken that leap of faith and said, okay, what the heck I'll take that risk again, going back to risk, risk and reward. Um, I think that was a big, um, moment for me in, in transitioning my role within the organization. Right. Cause you didn't just learn from the consultants. You learned, it sounds like learned about yourself, learn more about yourself and what your limitations or what your yeah. boundaries were in terms of comfort level in learning new, new, new stuff and new information. Great stuff. So uh good uh, walk through the, the journey of your career path to date. Uh, great tips there on the love the mentorship advocacy or mentorship and advocate uh, recommendations for those marketers out there. So let's take a quick break. We'll come back. We'll dive deeper into what a day in the life looks like in your position. Hey there, I want to let you know about a new page we launched on the marketinghelp.co and we built it to address one of the most common questions we get from our members. And that's around finding your next marketing job. 
Because the worst place to start your job search is with the job search. And that's the biggest flaw of most marketers today. So we create a hub just focused on helping marketers successfully complete every stage of the marketing job search uh, through courses. Now, go to the marketinghelp.co forward slash courses, and you'll see there's a selection of courses, workshops, and boot camps, uh, all the way from creating the job search strategy, which is very important, uh, to acing your interviews. Uh, we have a nice resource, uh, the Complete Marketing Interview Questions Guide, which a lot of our members are raving about. So you definitely want to check that course out. Now, the best part is we created learning environments that we know are going to meet the needs of your schedule, but also your budget. So we've got self-guided courses. We've got on-demand courses. And we've even got small cohort expert-led workshops and boot camps. So stop getting frustrated when you're not getting any responses. Start being successful in your marketing job search. Get some control. Go to the marketinghelp.co forward slash courses. Check it out. Now let's get back to the episode. Jen, listen, I ask this question every guest, and I know every answer is different, and there is no set schedule for marketers, but give us a peek inside the, the a standard, general, average week that you would uh, face in your role. You know, what, what are the things you're doing? What are the meetings you're having? How do you manage your schedule? What's that look like for, for someone in your role? Okay. Um, so a standard week. Well, first, there really never is a true standard week. Um, you know, every every day is different. Um, sometimes fires happen in your day-to-day life and, or in your day-to-day job, and you have to kind of figure out, how, okay, you know, always managing and, and overseeing different priorities is, is that's a fact of life. Um, but so for me, um, you know, I've been tasked with a number of, you know, a couple OKRs, things that I'm I'm responsible for. And I just make sure that the so in the in the week, I typically am meeting with a variety of different people in, in different teams, cross-functional team building, that type of thing, where I'm you know, I want to kick off, for example, we wanted to kick off more assets that promoted our mobile web on our mobile app, sorry, on our website. Um, so what I had to do was work with the UI UX designers on what, what does this look like? What are opportunities? Um, where can these widgets or where can this, you know, this type of marketing sit? I then had to work with some of our email marketers um, who sit in another part of the organization and sit down with them and say, what are what are what are in your campaigns right now that are driving mobile app awareness? Where are there gaps um, in it? So I've had lots of meetings with that team on how do we lean into the mobile app awareness from a from an email perspective, um, and then part of also what I and we have meetings we have more meetings in a day than I can, <laughs> I can, I can yeah. tell you. I mean, Outlook basically, at least within our organization, Outlook really kind of guides what your day is going to be like, meaning do you have back-to-back meetings from nine till five or do you have gaps? Um, So lots of meetings, um, but they're all good and working remote um, has its pluses and minuses. But so meeting with the the marketing folks, meeting with our designers, um, meeting with my boss, um, I have a weekly one-on-one with him. Um, and then also meeting with technology. So you can't, you know, in a digital product world, you can't do anything without the technology, without the, the app, the developers and whatnot. So you need to figure out what their bandwidth is. And those are meetings that we attend to say, hey, I want to do this marketing thing or I want to promote the mobile app in these three areas. I have the assets, they're going to be built. Do you have the time to actually make them happen? So it's a lot of 
I don't want to say negotiating, but it, it's a lot of diplomacy. Um, yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of like, Hey, I want to do this thing. How do we get it done in this X time? Because, you know, you've got goals that your, your supervisor, your boss, your team sets for you. And it's important to, you know, stick within those. And then things pop up, you know, you have different programs you oversee and you go to those meetings. Like I, I stood up in, in the app store response program where we actually responding to comments in the app stores and so I was dealing with our care ops folks for that. So basically it's, you know, you wear a, a million different hats. Sometimes you're running in a million different directions. And if you don't like doing those things, you might not really want to be in a marketing kind of a role. But um, for me, I thrive on it. I thrive a little bit on chaos um, and deadlines. Um, so, you know, just this week, in fact, um, we have a high level person coming in from the UK and um, I was asked to put the draft of the deck together. And believe it or not, you do make a lot of presentations in marketing. You got to show what you're doing mm -hmm. um, to a lot of different people. Um, and again, working with very high level people internally to making sure I was telling their story right in the deck. So I don't know. It, it, it's chaotic, but I somehow I, I thrive on it. <laughs> and, and we know that marketers have a ton of meetings and I ask this, when this comes up in conversations with marketers, I always say, do you think that there are, are at least three meetings on your calendar for next week that you could cancel? For sure. And sometimes I do. And, okay. and our leadership actually, um, and I do this, you know, I've done this with my own team. I'm actually hiring two people right now. So I don't have a true team yet. Um, but block off time on your calendar because you need time to regroup collect your thoughts, explore new things that you want to learn. Um, so we, we typically will block off um, even our Fridays, Friday afternoons. Um, are, we are mandated to block off a couple hours to go learn something, nice. um, which I think is, is great. And I think that that's, that's the kind of leadership you want in an organization that encourages you to explore. And in fact, I just enrolled in um, Cornell's online program um, just so I can get a better level set on UI UX design because this is kind of a new thing for me. So I'm going to the eCornell. I start on June, July, no, January um, <laughs> 19th to do that um, program. And, and, you know, I think that that's important to, you don't have to go to every bloody meeting. Like you sure. can, you know, you can, or what I do, I recommend this to people who are overwhelmed with meetings is you send an, a regret and you say, look, I can catch up on the, the, uh, the, you know, after the meeting, if there are any deliverables I need to provide, boom, you just got yourself an hour free. And if they need something from you, it can be an email. So. I like it. I like it. Good tip. Now, when you think about the dynamic of the team, the team that you're on and, and how you're interacting with a lot of other teams, sounds like there's a lot of collaboration going on. Uh, then you work with, it uh, sounds like a lot of uh, other vendors and maybe agencies mm -hmm. When you think about at the macro level, this great resignation that's happening, the great reshuffling, how are you seeing that impact either your team or the teams that you work with? It is. It, it is interesting. Um, I mean, not going to lie, there's there's an attrition that's happening and I'm seeing it happen not just within our organization, but with other organizations. And as you mentioned, vendors that we are working with and stuff, um, change it. Change is constant, right? So you're always going to encounter change. Leadership change, I feel like, is a little more painful than um, just your your peers or your colleagues leaving. You know, you're sad to see them go. 
etc. But oftentimes, this kind of retention problem here, we've had some We've had some really, I've seen some really good leaders leave an organization and you're like, God, oh, I darn, I just wish they would stay. And, and you understand why they go. Um, but when you have new leadership come in, it, it is a little painful, I'll be honest. Um, yeah. And you kind of have to, and this is an exercise that I've learned is you have to prove yourself often all over again. And you should embrace that because if you don't, then you will be a nobody to that new person coming in. You need to set up a meet and greet. You need to, um, you know, present your best foot forward so that they kind of know a name to a face. And even, especially with a lot of this, the virtual working and the remote working, it's really important to have your video on um, and to be present. Um, cause uh, when we were in person, you know, two years ago, a lot of people would sit in meetings and they're on their phone and they're typing away and they're missing half the points that are happening. And then they ask a dumb question. So, you know, you're like, if you were listening, that question was answered 15 minutes ago. Um, so be present. Um, but yeah, the, the attrition is it, retention with companies these days. I see it a lot. I mean, you looked at, you look at LinkedIn, new job, new job, new job. Like everybody's kind of bouncing around. And I think that it's, it's interesting. It provides great opportunity. Um, but it also can, you know, upset the apple cart kind of thing too. Sure. Like where you're, you're looking around seeing a lot of your peers leaving and you're like, geez, maybe the grass is greener. So it is, it's, it's, it's interesting what COVID has done to the workplace and how you don't have to be physically present to participate in, and, and, be a really great contributor to an organization. I mean, tips I used to give my team, um, I would always, I would always encourage them to always be able to point to two things, uh, examples of progress Progress. Mm -hmm. and examples of presence and presence as the exact way you were describing it is that uh, you were participating in a meeting. You raised your hand in the all hands meeting, like you had a presence and, you know, thinking, thinking about your brand as if you're your own company so that at any moment, Someone needs a download on on your benefits. Well, here you go. Here's my one pager. It wasn't a resume. It was just a list of documented uh, wins that you had achieved uh, and progress you had made in your position. Uh, but you, you hit it there. But the presence is so key. Yeah. And for for the for the marketer who's listening, who may have have uh, just started managing their own team, and now they're worrying. Oh my gosh, great resignation. How do I how do I retain? How do I have strong retention of my own team as a marketing leader? What tips would you have for them? I think just rewarding. Um, and that doesn't mean monetary. I mean, giving back, giving positive feedback, um, thanking people for what they do and recognizing what you do, you know, recognizing that they worked really hard and tireless, tirelessly to do three versions of that particular thing that you asked for. Um And then also making sure, and I do this with our female colleagues and and leaders, is that as you're going up the ladder, you make sure you're pulling someone up right behind you. Like you, it's not just you leaving everybody behind. It's, it's, so as part of a a manager for a team, you need to make sure that you're giving back positive, you know, constructive criticism for sure. But you need to make sure that you're saying, Hey, you did a great job right there. And I've worked for people who didn't do that. And, and it, it's not a great feeling. So you want to just make them have that warm, fuzzy feeling 
because that's what makes people loyal. That's what makes people say, I really have a great manager. And the famous phrase, like people don't leave jobs, they leave bad managers. Like that is so true. I believe it totally. And, you know, I've had people come up to me and say, I wish I could work for you again. And I just take that as like such huge kudos. Like I could, like I, when people said that to me, I was just like, oh my gosh, you just made my day. Like you made my week because I really do feel like, and you have to foster their growth because no one wants to sit in the same position and just do the same thing, the grind day after day, all the thanks in the world. Great. But show me a path of where I can move forward. Show me an opportunity I can take on, help me navigate my own career So career development for the people on your team is also really important um, because that keeps them challenged and and encouraged and rewarded. Great tip. Now, again, since you have experience in building those teams, that means that you've been uh, you've had the pleasure of going through the uh, vicious cycle of marketing interviews. And, uh, you know, there's a there's an art and a science to it, not just from the hiring manager standpoint, but also from the interview candidate standpoint. So. You know, from your experience in hiring for marketing positions, you know, the, the 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 best tip you can give somebody who's about to come in, you say you're filling roles in your team, mm-hmm. um, you know, for those that may be walking in for that interview, what's your tip for them so that they, they shine, they stand out? So for me, a good interview is when I ask questions for solid examples, like give me a time. And and some of these sound like canned questions, but you really should be able to um, weave into your conversation, whether it's a question asked or not, weave into your conversation um, elements where you rose to a challenge. Things, uh, proactivity is huge. I ask proactive type related questions. Show how you saw an opportunity to fix something and you went after it and you did it. Um, Because nobody wants, you know, someone who comes in and just keeps asking you, what can I do? What can I do? So I think the keys that I look for when hiring are, um, you know, they can proactively look at situations and they have proof of it. Um, and giving specific examples of how you were challenged and how you rose to the challenge and how you excelled. And give an example of how you failed, how you learned from it. Those three things are three things that I look for in an interview and solid examples, not like fluffy stuff that you can see through as a manager. Like, what is you? What are you talking about? That doesn't make any sense. Or, or that wasn't a, you know, really give granular examples of here's what I did. Here's why I did it. Um, and, and talk about results too. I I do like to hear results, you know, this increased something by X percent, like know your numbers. I mean, I know I'm in a finance industry and you got to know your numbers around marketer. You need to know your numbers. You need to know the results of what you did and what you put out into the market. What, how did that have a return on investment? How did that benefit the organization? So I think that's just what I would recommend is those three things and make sure you can have concrete examples and of results. I got to say anyone who's listening out there that's that's preparing for the interview right there is your playbook. You just gave somebody three concrete things that they should be preparing for because I, I can tell you right now, and you've seen it eight out of 10 candidates won't do that. And right. you think about that. It's like, do you want to be in the, in the top percentile of those that get considered for the next round? Well then do exactly what Jen just said. Um, so, so when you think about that on the questions you're asking the candidates think about everyone you've interviewed and is there one question that you were asked where you had to take a pause and say, wow, that that's a pretty thoughtful question. 
where it's almost the question that earned the bonus points because it showed that they were thoughtful and had done some research. Any types of questions that come to mind as if you're going to ask a question as a candidate, here's one that you should ask. Oh, okay. So what should the candidate ask the interview? Like maybe the interview yep, I got. Yep. Um, I think what, I think what um, I, I always liked or have seen people do is they say to the interviewer, where, what defines success for you with this role in three months or um, in it, because the question is phrased in a way that is saying, what is the vision of this role for three months? Meaning what am I going to get out of it as, as the candidate, but what are you looking to get out of it from me as well? Like, what is this um, yin yang kind of a seesaw thing going on? Like what are, what's success look like three months down the road? Um, I always, I liked someone just, someone asked me that question last week and I was like, that's a good question. Cause like, sometimes when you're looking to interview, you're just looking to, you're, you're like, we got to fill this role, you know, especially now it's very competitive. Right. Um, and you know, you, you know, you have in your mind how you're going to train them up and what are they going to be doing and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, I don't think I thought about six months down the road where we'd be. And I'm like, that's a good question. So, um, I, I thought that that was a really good question. Like what success look like three, six months down the road for, for, for this role. And I like that question because in most cases, it almost takes the job description, which everyone can see and read, Mm -hmm. and it forecasts, you're trying to get somebody to forecast for you down the road. Um, You know, it's almost like, what are we celebrating in three months that we did well together? Um, So it brings that hiring manager into the conversation deeper to say, oh yeah, you're doing this, this, and this. Uh, And as the candidate, you now have that clear picture of, okay, I can do that. And right. Ideally, tease you up to say, "Oh, I did that here, here, and here." Yeah. Uh, so they feel comfortable about you as a candidate. Good stuff. Yeah. Um, any, and this has been great. This has been great, kind of diving into the mechanics of your team, what you're doing, uh, but also some of those those tips on how to, you know, excel in those positions within the marketing teams. Any parting advice for marketers in our audience today? Any any parting thoughts you want to share and leave them with? Um, I think it's one thing that I've learned in, I don't even know how many years have I been, whatever. Anyways, I'm like aging myself. Um, I I think the one thing that I have learned that's been invaluable is, and I, sometimes this is, this phrase is kind of looked at negatively, but manage up. Um, I think that as a person who's looking to excel, looking for that next promotion, you need to learn to manage up and Um, What I mean when I say that is you need to learn to talk about yourself to your manager or other leaders in the organization, in the agency or whatever, and to present what you've done in a way that they understand the impact of it and they understand the value of it and they understand your role in providing both of those things. And some people think it's boastful. Some people think it's you tooting your own horn. It, it doesn't have to be that way, but because if you don't do that, you can kind of always be underneath the surface and you don't always get those shining moments when you think you, you are deserved of those. And no one's going to hand you those shining moments. You've kind of got to grab them. And the way you do that is to present yourself. And that can mean a lot of different things like 
presenting in, in big meetings or presenting in, in leadership type meetings or just having a one-on-one -on -one for 15 minutes. Those are the things that will get you to the next level. Um, and that's, so that's just learn to manage up, but don't forget about your colleagues either. Like I've witnessed people who only manage up and that's no good either. So, you know, you got to get in the trenches and do the work, do the hard stuff and, you know, support your colleagues, support your teammates, make sure it's a group effort and everybody shines in that group effort. You know, so it's, it's a nice balance, I think, that you have to find in order to do that. Um, because people who only manage up in organizations, they're not liked from a reputational standpoint. And that comes back to bite you. So right. um, it's, it's that nice balance. To your point earlier about building the internal network at your organization, uh, managing up, absolutely. I'm a huge believer in that as well. Uh, as much as, like you said, uh, think about those around you, you know, be a true team member, um, helping others where you can. Because uh, yep. listen, everyone brings something to the table in every marketing team uh, and everything just kind of works nicely together when everyone is contributing uh, in a way that helps others uh, through their path as well. So, so Jen, if, if somebody wants to continue the conversation, uh, have other questions about what it's like to work in finance or at Barclays, uh, or maybe interested in joining your team, what's the best way for them to connect with you? Um, you can just hit me up on LinkedIn. You can yeah. check out my profile. It's my full name. Um, so you can just, I think you'll. Yeah, yeah. well, I will, I will share the, uh, the link to your profile in the show notes and everyone can connect with you there. Gentlemen, thank you for your time. This has been great. Uh, love the insights you, you've provided. Again, your background experience, um, you know, very valuable learnings that you've been able to share here through your path. So appreciate that. Appreciate your time and best of luck at Barclays. Thank you. Thanks, Eric. This has been a pleasure. Thanks so much. All right. Big thanks to Jen for joining today's episode. I was blown away by her insights and tips on navigating success. Uh, within a marketing team inside of an organization the size of Barclays. Great stuff. So a couple things I heard, the importance and difference between mentors and advocates, uh, the ways to increase or how to increase your career currency by developing your internal network, very important, uh, and why it's okay to stay someplace for longer than two years, and the three areas of focus uh, that you need to have if you want to ace that marketing interview. So she gave some great examples there. Check the show notes if you want to connect with Jen. Um, definitely recommend you reach out to her if you're considering a career in marketing in the finance industry. So, so definitely connect with her. Now, don't forget about the resources and support you have also at the marketinghelp.co forward slash membership. And remember, this is your host, Eric Harvison, reminding you what action can you take today to advance your marketing career?